tonight we're going to uh, be looking at the next phrase. You know, we've, we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. I think everybody that's in here has been, been coming, but just to kind of catch you up, we first started talking about worshiping uh, in our prayer, so adoring who God is as our Father in heaven and, and His name being holy um, as we start off. And I think we, we all learned, and we've probably known this for a while, that when Jesus said pray like this, obviously He wasn't just saying just pray exactly these words, but giving us this idea of what prayer means and how important it is for us. Uh, but I think not jumping into, God, I want you to do this for me, but jumping in and saying, God, I know who you are. I recognize and acknowledge that you are God, that you are a good father, that, that you are holy. And so we, we look at adoration. Then we looked at the authority. We looked at um, his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and, and submitting to that authority. And, and that's, that's easier said than done sometimes, right? That, that we pray, Lord, your will be done, not my will. And, and we know that Jesus prayed that. And Jesus, as he was praying to the Father, thought, you know what, if there's any other way, but God, this is not about me, but this is about you and your ways and, and what you think is best. And so I think for all of us, as we come to prayer, uh, instead of bringing our petitions to God first, it's first submitting to the authority that God is in charge, that God knows what's best and wants what's best for my life. And I believe when I begin to realize that in my prayers, I begin to pray a little differently, don't I? I mean, I think I, I begin to see what's more important in my prayers. And, and my laundry list, I keep saying, my laundry list in my prayer changes according to what he wants to do. And I think prayer, a lot of times, is just God trying to change our desires in our heart. Don't you think? I mean, it's not so much that God wants us, hey, just ask me whatever you want, and I'm just going to give it to you, just to satisfy you, to pass it. You know what I'm saying? This is like our kids. Man, I just want you to hush, so I'm going to give it to you. You know, <laughs> that's not God. God said, no, I want you to pray, and, and, and you keep praying. I'm not going to answer the way you want right now. You keep praying, and as we keep praying, as we keep coming to God, God continues to change us, changing our heart and our desires to match who, what he wants and what he desires. And so it just gives us a whole new outlook about what prayer is. And, and so tonight we're going to start this whole idea of petition. And, and it says this, this phrase, and I'm going to give you later on after the video, three key truths to this, give us today our daily bread. I think we, we all probably understand what he's talking about there, but I want to give you three key truths tonight after we watch this video and, and see what these speakers have to say. Some of the things they say you're probably going to hear later on, but I want you to understand that this phrase packs a lot in, in just these few words. That this is not, and I want you to understand, this is not just me, okay, now I can get to what I want. Now God wants to hear what I need done. Okay? And so we'll, we'll look at that. So let's watch this video. I, let me ask you this. Have the videos been helpful? I, I love it. And I love the way they've done it. Just different speakers. It's not all one person's opinion and, and one commentator, but just all the different ones and so many different views and where they're coming from. So hopefully these videos have been helpful. Take some good notes. I don't think I've said that the last few times, but just as you listen, jot down things that will remind you during the week, something maybe God teaches you through this teaching. So let's watch this, and then I'll come back up. 
Welcome back to our fourth lesson on the Lord's Prayer. We also call it the model prayer. Jesus gave us this wonderful prayer that we might pray it all the way through. That's fine, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But also we take every phrase and we look at it. They are different kinds of prayer. Jesus used it as a didactic tool to teach his disciples to pray. That's exactly what they had asked him in the parallel text in Luke 11 verse one. Teach us to pray. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And he gave them this Lord's Prayer. Today, we're going to look at that phrase that says, give us today our daily bread. It's wonderful to pray and ask God to give you what you need. Yes, you need to work, not saying you don't need to do that, but you need to rely on the Lord. He is your provision. God is your source. He's the one that gives you bread. He's the one that gives you everything that you need in this life to love and to serve him and then to go on to heaven. And the main thing he gives you is forgiveness in Jesus. A oh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God bless you as you study this great phrase, give us today our daily bread. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored. Honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from the evil one. In the Lord's Prayer, it talks about give us this day our daily bread. So we're to pray and to stay close to God, to live on His daily bread, daily sustenance that He's providing for us in that moment. Now you think about it in this way. If you're gonna go on a big hike through the mountains, you're gonna pack this huge backpack filled with all of your rations, everything that you need to eat, and then you're gonna journey out away from your home so that you can eat along the way. That's the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. When we're at home, the opposite things happens. We just get up from the couch and go to the fridge. We open up the cabinet. We're home, we're close, so we can go and get that food at any time we need to. God wants us to be at home with Him, living in prayer, not on this big journey, I'm gonna go see God way over there in this prayer time at church or wherever, but I'm right here. He's closer than a brother. He indwells me through the Holy Spirit. I can pray at any time, so I'm so close that I'm depending upon Him for my daily food just as I would the food in my house. I can get up from the couch, I can walk to the fridge. It shouldn't be too far of a distance. It's not a hike into the woods. And that keeps me close to Him. And then when I take my daily bread, bite by bite, meal by meal, I begin to be in a place that's trustworthy with the Lord, that I trust Him, that He will provide. Even when I'm hungry, I know that it's just a few steps away from the couch for me to be on my knees, in my heart with the Lord, saying, Lord, would you provide for me in this moment? So we don't wanna go on big hikes in prayer. We wanna be at home in prayer. And it's through those times that we get the daily bread that we need to be able to keep us going as believers. So the opening petitions of the model prayer teach us that we should not rush into God's presence with a laundry list of personal requests. We should begin our prayers focusing on God and his glory, not ourselves and our needs. That is not, however, to suggest that we cannot bring our personal needs to God in prayer. The second section of the petitions in the model prayer are personal prayer requests for things that we need in our lives. But 
It is not just about the fact that we can bring our personal needs to God in prayer. Really, these latter petitions, I believe, teach us how we should bring our needs to God in prayer. And I think the bottom line is expressed in this first personal request. We should pray as if everything depends on God. We should pray, give us this day our daily bread. I believe there, bread is bread. Bread represents the staple that they needed to survive. And he is not teaching us to pray for a meal, for a banquet, for bread, the most basic necessity for the survival of the people of that day. All the more now, as scandalous, that, scandalous as that petition was then, it is even more scandalous now, where we all the more in our culture take bread for granted, while many others suffer the literal need of it. But I think this still applies literally to every day. We are to pray for bread, being reminded every day of our personal, absolute, total dependence upon God. It is to pray this prayer recognizing that if God does not intervene, I won't eat today. That I, there are no small blessings. I must not take anything for granted. That's why there are two time references in this one petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for this basic thing and pray for it daily so that your heart is in a constant posture of dependence for everything you will hear and see. In these sessions on prayer, really, this is the bottom line. You'll never pray effectively until your heart gets in a posture of dependence. When Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread, the one thing that strikes me immediately is this is the first part of the model prayer that refers to us. Everything else is God-centered up till this point. And it might be a temptation when we're in prayer uh, to begin our prayers by asking for all the things that we think we need. But when we come to pray for our daily bread, this is really supplication prayer. It's asking God to give us those things which we need. The beautiful thing about this is Christianity doesn't deny our needs. The Bible never denies our needs. We have needs because we live in this world. And this prayer acknowledges the reality of those needs, but also acknowledges the reality that God is the provider. Now today in the United States, not everybody needs bread, uh, you know, but everybody has some kind of need. There are a lot of needs that all of us have, whether it be physical, financial, relational, something in our family. And this is that time after we've acknowledged the Lordship of Christ, the Kingdom of God, the holiness of God, the fatherhood of God. We now say, Lord, here are the things that I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to provide. So really, this is a time to really trust Him and have faith that He is the provision of everything that we need. Well, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, there's a reason why asking for our needs, our daily bread is not at the top because he knows there's something we need greater than our daily needs, and that's an awakening to who he is, his power, his presence, his majesty, his will, his kingdom. So it's perfect timing that after we've gone to there, we're ready to come to him, and now we come to him in prayer after we've already made much of his name, we've surrendered afresh and anew. Now we're ready to come in the right spirit and the right attitude to simply ask 
for our daily bread. And, and that, could, that could be many things, but simply stated, um, in my opinion, it's just, Lord, we, have some, we know we have some needs. We know we have some things every day we need. And we come to him realizing you're the only one that can provide. And that anything that comes to us today, any, if, whether it be finances or relationships or uh, miracles or even answers to prayer, we recognize, wait a second, I, I come to him every day asking, and he seems to be answering every day. And the fact that we do it daily reminds us he's always answering this prayer. So as the more he answers prayer, the more our faith the believe, begins to grow, uh, begins to be strengthened uh, and, and fueled with this idea, he's answering my prayers. I, I can now ask him for little things, and he loves the little things. I mean, the most simple little things to the, most, to the largest things. I think there's probably a, a big neglect in the area of prayer that we don't ask God for big things. And, and sometimes we don't even ask him for the little things as we think they're trivial. There's nothing trivial in prayer. There's no need that's too trivial. He just wants to hear his children ask. And in asking, we're saying we recognize that we can't provide anything out of ourselves. Only you can. So that's why we're coming and we're asking. Bread is a motif used all throughout the Bible. It's actually back in Exodus chapter 16 when they prayed for God to give them food. God gave them the fresh manna every day to live. And so that was a wonderful picture of the sustenance and satisfaction that only God could bring. So in the New Testament, God takes that theme. And bread's just this motif, not only in the life of Jesus, but in the life of believers. I mean, think about it. Jesus was born into a town. Of all the towns he could have been born into, he was born into Bethlehem, which are the two Hebrew words, Beit, meaning house of, Lechem means bread. Jesus was actually born into the bread factory or the house of bread. It's not by happenstance. Jesus performs not one but two miracles with bread. And so now they know this when Jesus is saying, pray for your daily bread. And I think that phrase there is about our daily sustenance and our dependence upon God. Here's what you got to realize. Jesus already knows what we ask before we even ask it but he wants us to ask it. And I think we're just acknowledging that we need him when we say, give us our daily bread. You know, the Bible uses the imagery of bread uh, in a number of different ways to convey various truths of the Christian life. Uh, one, of course, is Christological. Jesus is the bread of life. And that those that partake of him through faith uh, will never hunger again. And so there's that spiritual sustenance that we receive that the bread of life image communicates really, really well. Uh, at the same time, uh, we have a physical body and we have daily needs. And so when we ask God to give us our daily bread, in essence, we could say we're asking the bread of life, uh, who is our spiritual bread, to also be the avenue whereby we receive the physical bread that we need simply to live life in this world in which we have a physical body with physical needs uh, and physical necessities. And so it's not a, an either or, it really is a both and if you understand how the imagery is being used in the Bible. You know, one of my mentors once told me, um, don't try to be more spiritual than the Bible. Uh, it is true. Christ is our, our everlasting bread, and he satisfies our soul. It's also true that when I get up tomorrow morning, I need to eat literal breakfast. Um, you know, when we ask for, you know, daily bread, what we're saying is, um, God, you're the source of everything good in my life, and you've created my body with, you've created my body with needs. And so those are um, food needs, they're financial needs, they're emotional needs. 
Where it becomes a problem is when you depend on those things for peace and happiness. When I'm like, God, I got to make this amount of money in order to be happy. God, the daily bread that I need is a six-figure salary. And God, the, the daily bread that I need is a perfect relationship over here, and I need a promotion at work or you know, anything like that. That's when bread has become idolatrous. And Jesus' whole point with the bread is, I'm the everlasting bread. I, I, I will satisfy your soul. But then once you, you do that, then of course we're asking God to supply for us, whether it's a good night's sleep, whether it's what we, you know, the, the, the resources that we need. Um, God created us the way that he created us. He knows that we are, are human beings with great dependency. Um, every night when I lay down to sleep, God gives me essentially eight hours to remind myself that I'm not God and he created me to need sleep. Every time my body pangs hunger, he's reminding me, I don't need to eat, but you're not me, so you do need to eat, and you should look to me as the source of those good things as well. The phrase related to daily bread obviously incorporates more than just physical bread. Obviously, Jesus talks about himself being the bread of life. And so we're, we're asking, in a sense, or we're privileged to ask for everything we need for our provision that day. Now, the Jewish reader, which would have been those early apostles, early disciples, uh, probably the recipients of the letter of Matthew where we find the extended version of that prayer, they would have immediately thought about the Old Testament story. They would have thought about the manna, the quail. And here they are traveling through the wilderness. There's, there's no 7-Eleven. There's no Bilo on the corner. There's nowhere to stop and get bread or any sustenance. So they were totally dependent every moment upon God's provision. They had to totally dependent, go out in the morning and the manna's going to be there. And, and on, you know, they couldn't store up any manna because it would get, you remember, it'd rot if they tried to hold it an extra day, except if they did it the day before the Sabbath, and they could keep enough. And, and what he's teaching us here is that he's always enough for us. Interestingly, it's our first prayer request because it was also the first temptation that Jesus, in the 40 days, you remember, he, he hungered. He was flesh like us. He was fully human. And so Satan normally attacks us in the realm of the physical first. So we're praying for that physical sustenance and protection of the Lord. I think I've been more aware recently of just my desire to be more thankful and to connect the dots between the good gifts that God has given me and connecting those back to his good hand, that it really all is from the Lord. And uh, I was recently with um, some really dear friends, but they are not believers, and I spent three days with them. And there were no prayers before any meal. Um, there was no discussion about, wow, isn't God good? And hasn't he been good to my family? And has, look what he's provided and look at our home. And it was really interesting because after three days, as simple as a prayer before a meal or just that daily discussion of God's goodness, it was so strange for me and, and very sad for me to sort of walk through life with them and realize that God was totally void of all the good gifts because at the end of the day, our gifts are so um, paltry if there's no giver, if God is not the ultimate giver. When we talk about daily bread, I mean, you are so speaking my language because I'm thrilled Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. If he had said he was the asparagus of life, I'd be so bummed because I'm so not a paleo kind of girl. I'm a carb girl. And I think to ask for the bread of life, I think it's both metonym and metaphor. I think there's a metaphorical aspect to it, recognizing that he's our sustenance. We cannot make it without the proverbial bread that God gives us. But I think there is definitely a metonym, a reality to it. I won't have bread for life. 
apart from Jesus. If God gives us every good gift, then even the fact that I have a vocation that gives me a paycheck that allows me to go to Kroger and buy bread for me and my little girl, that's God's goodness. So to me, there is a, he is the bread who sustains me. And then there's a practical, because of his goodness and his kindness and his fatherhood, I actually have enough food to sustain us physically. I think one of the, the issues that, that we have as Christians is that often we don't realize just how needy we are. In fact, you could make the argument that we spend 90% of our lives trying to convince ourselves that we're actually not in need. It's a very uncomfortable place to be, uh, to live in a situation where you're, you're living hand to mouth, where you don't know where the next meal is going to come from. And yet Jesus told us when you pray, you ought to pray for the daily bread. He didn't say pray for the 401k bread or pray for the retirement bread or pray for the health insurance bread or whatever. Not to say that any of those things are wrong because we, we wisely participate in that stuff that our, our culture has set up. But as we're participating in those things, one of, the, one of the downfalls of that is that we can really, really quickly convince ourselves that we actually are self-sustaining creatures. It's really ironic because God gives all men life and breath and everything else. Even the atheist that curses the name of Jesus Christ only does so with the breath that God has seen fit to put in his or her lungs at a given moment. So the question is not whether we need God. The question is how aware we are of the need that we have for God. One of the things that we can do then in praying for our daily bread is to actually pray for the things that we need today, or, or maybe to put it oppositely, for us to not live based on assumption, to pray and ask the Lord for simple things like patience in a given situation. If you have a meeting that you know is going to be difficult, ask him for the wisdom to conduct that. Uh, ask him for the continued provision of the day. As a parent, my goodness, this is one of the ways for sure that we come to understand just how needy we are. Ask the Lord to help you as you raise your children in a godly way. If we do some of these things by actually being specific about the kind of bread that we think we're going to need today, it will cultivate in us a greater awareness, not only of our need, but then of the provision that God gives to us in response to our need. Real quick, give me something maybe you wrote down, something that you thought, man, that's, that right there will help me in my prayer life. Anybody? Or a question? Living in prayer. Tell me, tell me what you mean. Wow, that's good. And he said, living in prayer, pray as if uh, everything depends on God. One of the guys, or, or I think it was a guy, I don't remember who it was, um, said that everything before this kind of focused on God, and now we turn to us. I kind of, I'm not trying to disagree with some of these guys, because these guys are like a lot wiser than me. But I still think in this part of the prayer that God's still the subject. And I want to show you that here in the first truth. He says, give us today our daily bread. Who's the implied subject of that sentence? God is. So why would I think still that this is about me? And that's, that's one of the things. As I, as I meditated on just these words, give us today 
our daily bread. I, I kept coming back to that, that. This is still not about me, you know? Let me, let me give you the first truth, and, and I want to look at one of the passages they talked about. The, the first truth there, beside give us, is only God can provide what we need. Only God can provide what we need. Go to Exodus chapter 16. You, you know this story. You've heard this story many times. And sometimes when we read something or hear something so many times, we kind of miss what God's trying to tell us. But in Exodus chapter 16, we see the Israelites are in the desert. They've, they've moved away from Egypt. They've been rescued. And they saw all the, the hand of God totally on that whole subject and, and, and what happened there. And they get to, to the desert in chapter 16 and listen in verse 2. In the desert, the whole community, what? Grumbled in the NIV. Any other translations, what's it say? Murmured. Complained. That's probably the best word in it. It's like, okay, God just rescued you from the hand of Pharaoh saved you and here you are complaining to God they complained against Moses and Aaron then in verse 3 the Israelites said to them if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food now what do we see here in this verse what they're forgetting all the other part of that right I mean they're yeah they're looking at the comfortable life man we had we had pots and pots of meat I mean, who doesn't want pots and pots of meat? Right, Rob? <laughs> I say that because he's, he's here from Thailand, and, you know, and he's just been eating a lot because everybody takes him out, and I make him eat all this stuff. But <laughs> And it says, they sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, we look at that and we go, how foolish of the Israelites, right? But how many times is that our complaint? God, over here I had all this stuff, and I was comfortable, and everything was fine in my life. And now look, only God can provide what we need. And, and I think in the next couple of verses he shows on that, right? What does he say? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. Now listen, if we walk outside and we start seeing bread rain from heaven, it better be those like Longhorn Steakhouse rolls or you remember Ryan, no, no, Quincy's. You remember Quincy's big fat yeast rolls? Man, if that started happening, we'd be in heaven. But the Lord said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day. And it wasn't like he heard them complaining and said, you know what, you guys, just go back to Egypt. <laughs> you know, cross that sea again. I want to see you do it. Go back to Pharaoh where you had pots of meat. No, he said, no, I'm going to provide for you. I heard you. And he told Moses later, I heard the people. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide. Only God can provide what we need. Again, I think this is why in this phrase... The subject is not me. It's not even my needs. It's just that God is the provider. When, when I acknowledge that, that he's giving my daily bread, I'm acknowledging his character that he is provider. That everything I need. 
And I think, and I, I like what Angie said about that guy. He said, he said that pray as if everything depended on God. And it does, right? But God is the only one that can provide for it. Go to, go to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. This is, this is good. Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. My God will meet all your needs. Now, first, I'll read that. Kind of like, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. I kind of read Philippians 4, 13. I think, man, I can win that game. God's going to do anything I want. Now, that's not what he's saying in verse 19. He's saying that he will meet your needs. He will provide for you. He'll provide what he thinks you need at that moment. Again, putting all of it on him, not on me. That he is provider. He is the provider. I wrote this down. I think Ken Hemphill kind of alluded to this. We must express our trust in him, God, and also acknowledge our weakness and dependence on him. We must express our trust in him and also acknowledge our weakness and dependence on God. That's that's what we're seeing in in Exodus, right? God says, go out for the day, you get enough, that's it. And, And if you read the story, what happens? Some of them gathered more and what happened to it? Yeah, maggots in it. God said, I'll show you. You get more than you're supposed to. And, and then what happens on the day before the Sabbath? This is so cool. This is so amazing of how God provides in, for our needs and what we need at that moment. God said, listen, on this day, though, you're going to gather and you're going to have enough for two days. But come, come Monday, Tuesday, you better not hold off. Don't hold it over another day because you'll be eating maggots. God provides. Only God can provide what we need. We need to express our trust in him. And when we come to him, Jesus, I think this is what he's getting at. It's not that Jesus is getting at, listen, you pray and God will give. Believe, Listen, we, we adore him for who he is. And we submit to his authority and his will and not our will. And we say and we recognize that he is the provider He is the one that gives. He is the hand that will provide for everything I go through and everything I need daily. Again, I'm not turning the spotlight to me, but I'm continuing to turn the spotlight on him, making much of who he is and what he does instead of myself. What are some ways you've seen God provide this week? Let's let's talk about this for a second. I know there's somebody here that has seen the hand of God provide the daily bread that we needed this week. Who's somebody? Go ahead and speak. Testify. I know, yeah. Andy. just talking before Anthony, my brother Anthony here, he said, you know, sometimes we take for granted 
what we got and forget forget what God does for us and then the Israelites the spot the Israelites were in I mean it, I, I don't know how how long does anybody does anybody remember I think it was two months that they were gone from Pharaoh's hand I, I think I don't remember months how you forget something in two months how you forget God just split the sea how you forget God just killed the newborn how do you forget all the plagues that God did took for granted everything that God did for them and what who they were and they began to grumble forgot forgetting that God provides what else anybody else seen God provide this week You know, you know, that's good, that's good. And you know how God provided that? Through an encouraging word from another believer who was not afraid to obey and do what God asked him to do. I mean, isn't that cool? That's how God's hand works sometimes. God provided strength. What else? No, I, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I've never been hungry. I, I mean, I've known Miss Terry a long time. I think she probably changed my diapers. I know that's kind of weird. But ever since I've known Miss Terry, she's been a godly woman. She just said, God always provides. God always provides. And I was thinking, I, I've, I've never gone hungry, so I don't know what that feels like. I know there are people are that have. But I think how God provides, not just for my physical, but my spiritual What else? Amen. 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 Who else?
anybody else? One more. I love that attitude that that everything is God's God's in everything and then the big things and the little things that we can praise him for. You know? And that's acknowledging acknowledging and trusting him. Our weakness is our dependence on him. So God is the only one who can provide what we need. So we, we realize that when we come and say, Give us, we're recognizing that God is the provider, right? That he is the implied subject. God, this is this is your hand. Lord, you give us, you give us. The next one was today. I just wrote the word today. God will provide what we need, what we need for the day, not necessarily what we want. That's a good truth right here, that God will provide what we need for the day, not necessarily what we want. Right underneath there, I wrote this, and we're gonna go to, to Philippians 4, if you're still there. I wrote, we must actively choose contentment in his provisions. I'll just quote this verse and then we'll look at Philippians, but remember Psalm 118, 24. What is it? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Now think about that verse. I think, you know what? There's been some bad days in my life. Been some bad days in my life. But even in those days, I think back to that verse and I go, you know what? It's still a day the Lord has made and I can rejoice. Not necessarily what I wanted my day to go like. It wasn't necessarily that things worked out the way that I wanted them to. But I can still rejoice and be glad in it because the Lord made today. That's right, that's right. Philippians, go to Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Me and my kids, um, it's crazy. My son has a t-shirt <laughs> that uh, has a little little wimpy kid on it. He's lifting weights. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, it's kind of a running joke with my kids and with uh, Tony and Cleveland because I, I'll never forget after Clemson won. I, nothing against Clemson. Don't, don't, don't be mad at me. But after Clemson won the national championship, somebody quoted Philippians 4, 13. And so we, we started laughing like, you know, everybody takes that verse and just rips it out of the context of what Paul's talking about in Philippians and says, man, did you see what I did over here? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Well, basically, that's not what Paul's talking about. If you want to get to the, to the meat of it, we see what Paul, and in and, and verse 11, chapter 4, what does he say? He says, I am not saying this because I am need. Because he talks about rejoicing. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, and Pastor talked about this, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not about a football game. This is not about, uh, you know, lifting weights. This is not about 
you know, some spectacular thing I've done over here is, is, is learning to be content. Listen, Paul's saying this. Listen, I've learned that if I'm hungry, my strength is in him. If, if, if I have plenty and I'm well fed, which I'm sure for Paul there were days like that, that people provided, he said, I've learned to be content. In, in every situation in my life, I have chosen to be content. This, this was a choice that Paul made. This was, this was not something that, you know, I, I'm sure, you, and I can't imagine, again, I've never been hungry. You know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, I don't know anybody in here that's ever been hungry. You know, sometimes I think when my, my stomach starts growling, oh, I'm hungry. No. Paul says, I, I've, I've learned that even well-fed or hungry, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that you know what, God will provide. That, so I'm, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. The secret to contentment is, is Paul's made a choice. Paul's made a choice, again, to trust in the strength that Christ gives no matter what. No matter what I go through. No matter what I experience, no matter what the situation is, today God will provide what I need for the day, not necessarily what I want. I want you to understand this. We must actively choose contentment. When, when I say in my prayers, give us today our daily bread, God, you know what? Today, you may give me something I don't like. I've started eating more vegetables. It's crazy. I don't know why. Never eaten. I don't know. I couldn't say I've never eaten vegetables in my life. I just don't remember after, I think, last year not doing it. I, I, I've been terrible. But I, I just started eating some stuff, and I eat asparagus, and I eat broccoli. I haven't tried spinach because it smells. But, but so you know what? God, give me spinach. I'm going to choose to be content with whatever you provide for me, God. I'm going to grin and bear it, whatever you want to give me today, God. God, you know what? I'm going to go through things in my life that I'll never understand. But you know what? I'm going to choose today to be content because today is what you've provided. Today is, is what you've provided. Not about tomorrow, but today. How do, I, how do I learn to choose to be content? How do I rejoice in today? I think it goes back again that to the subject of the matter. Who is the subject of the matter of our prayers? God. Now when I pray, oftentimes who's the subject? I think when, when the subject matter falls here, then my rejoicing falls here. But when the subject matter is on him, my rejoicing, I can do that. God, because I know, Lord, you're going to provide. You're going to provide today what I need. And I'm not worried about what tomorrow brings. I'm not worried about what the past was. But God, I'm worried, and I'm not worried. I'm praying, and I'm rejoicing, and I'm choosing to be content in the way my life goes today, in whatever way. This is not about only physical needs that he's meeting, the spiritual needs in my life being met by God, that I'm choosing to be content. I've said this several times that, that the hardest time in my life was about four years ago when I lost my dad in June and then I lost Brent Elrod who was a, a dear friend of mine in October back to back. 
Can I just say this? I don't think I've ever said this. It broke me. It broke me to a point that my wife said, something's wrong. Broke me so much that I didn't know what else to do. I was still trying to be strong for my mom. I was still trying to be strong for a family in our church. And I'll never forget asking pastors, Pastor, how do you get past that? How do you stop carrying that burden for others? But I began to learn something. Brian Spearman touched on this a couple weeks ago, but I'll never forget the passage that God stuck out in my mind was when, when Jesus sent the disciples out on the lake. And he said, you go ahead of me. And he went up to pray. And I'll never forget what God spoke to me in that passage was this, that Jesus knew the storm was coming. And he still sent them out. That was a part of the plan. That storm was a part of the plan to teach them, to grow them in their faith. And I'll never forget when I began to, to get right and to get feeling better, when I began to focus on him and realizing that that was a part of God's plan for my life. And I've told people this before, and I really believe this. Now, four years out, I believe this, that I would never go back because now I've seen how God has grown my faith in him and my dependence on him. Rejoice in today, because today the Lord has made that day. Give us today our daily bread. This is the last truth right here, real quick. God will provide physically and spiritually. I think this passage is more about the spiritual than the physical. That's just my opinion. There's so many things, and they said it in the, in the video. There's so many things that Jesus refers to about bread and God refers to about bread and all these things. But I love the passage most in Matthew chapter four. I'll put the verse here. When Jesus is in the desert, Jesus is hungry. Jesus is hungry. He's fasted. He's weak. And, and I think Satan knows that. And Satan comes to him and begins to tempt him. It says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Let me tell you something, if I've ever been hungry, if I could make stones turn into bread, you're going to think, I'm going to do it. And Jesus stops. Don't, don't you think, don't you wonder if Jesus thought about it? I mean, because really, think about it. Would that not have shown who he was to? All right, devil, I'll show you. Boom, Bread. I mean, he took some loaves and fishes and turned it into a multitude of food for thousands of people. But at this moment, I think Jesus stops and he answered and he wanted to teach him a lesson. He wanted to prove a point. And I think prove a point to us, and that's why it's in the scripture. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here it is. If God provides physically and spiritually, here's what we need. We must believe that his word sustains us. We must believe that his word can sustain us. That means that it strengthens us, that it supports us, that really the most important thing in our life today is his word. The daily bread. Why not? 
Jesus is the bread of life, if he is life, if he is the the necessity in my life, if he is the need, if he is everything, if everything depends on him, God will provide physically and spiritually. I, I, I don't, I mean, I really believe God will provide physically for us. I mean, we, 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 we prayed at the beginning, our father, right? A father cares for his children. A father will take care of his children. So if there's a need in my life, God's gonna provide it. But I think the most important need and what we need to realize is that our spiritual needs are more important than our physical needs ever will be. Can I just say this? And, and I hope that I can live this and maybe I'm not saying God do this. I'm just saying if I ever got to this point, that God, you know what, if I have to go hungry to recognize my need for you is greater than any physical nourishment I ever get, your will be done, not mine. You know, when we get to a spot and we lose our job and we, all we can pray and focus on is, God, you need to give me a job. Maybe God's saying, no, I don't. See, God's saying, I'll give you what you need today, and it's not a job, maybe. Maybe we focused on, you know, retirement. We're thinking, God, I want to get to that point where I can just retire and stop working. Do I? And God says, maybe not. Maybe that's not what I want to provide for you. God, you know what? If you could heal this person in my life, because I don't want to lose them. I don't want to see them pass away. I can't do life without them. And God says, you know what? Maybe that's not what's needed. Maybe their physical need in their life is not the most important thing right now, but it's the spiritual need in your life. That's the hardest thing. I was talking to somebody. You know, we, we have people and we pray all the time for people to be healed from sicknesses. And, and can I just say this? Probably the majority of people we know we, we don't see healings like that, do we? Why? If God is a good father, why would he not heal the ones that I love? I think because our prayers and our hearts begin to change when our focus begins to change from physical to spiritual. Our greatest need is not our physical need. Our greatest need is not the hunger that I'm dealing with physically. I need food, God. I need money, God. I need a job, God. I need this person in my life, God. And God's saying, no, the greatest need in your life right now is me. It's me. Again, the spotlight is not on me, but the spotlight is on him. Because he's the implied subject. God gives us today our daily bread. we can learn anything from just the first part of this prayer, I think it's this, that our, our prayers are selfish. Let me change that. My prayers are selfish. 
Again, God, you're God, you're authority. We recognize that, we acknowledge that, and I think sometimes we get so ahead of God. Give us today our daily bread. I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I'll look at this, this phrase in, in the prayer any, I don't think I'll, I'll look at it the same anymore. And the reason I broke it down this way is so that when we come to God in prayer, we can, we can say at the beginning, give us today our daily bread, but God, help me recognize you're the provider. You're going to give me what I need today and not what I want necessarily. And God, you know what? Maybe my need is not physical, but maybe right now my need is spiritual. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I want to close with this. I didn't do this at the beginning. As I was sitting there watching the video, I said, you know what? I want to do this. We need to do this. I want us to read this, and I want us to think about all that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And I want us to read this Lord's Prayer with a heart of, a heart of adoration, a heart of submission, and recognizing and acknowledging who He is. So let's read this together out loud. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father God, help us in our weakness, in our selfishness, God, would you help us to see our need for you? And would you help us to see our greatest need is you? Some of the things that we're praying, some of the things that we're praying for, some of the things that we're asking you to do, God, so many times the focus is on us. God, would you take that away from us and help us to focus on you? Because as our Father, you do know what's best. And we don't. God, thank you. Thank you for changing our lives. Thank you for changing our hearts and our prayers. God, we surrender to you. And your will be done and not ours. We pray this in Jesus' name.